Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I got Rob Martinez, president of Shipware LLC, where we're going to talk about how to negotiate your shipping contracts and kind of what goes on in the uh, carrier and shipping industry. So you'd be surprised at some of the insights that he offers on this side of e-commerce. And before we start, uh, if anyone is having troubles with their online store, is feeling stuck, or needs someone to take a look at things, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email and I'll help you out uh, on Skype. So what we'll do is we'll talk about your store uh, or your business idea, go through some challenges you're facing, and come up with a solution based on the best practices that I've gathered over the past year on this show. So I've invited the email VIP list first, and they've already booked some slots in the next two weeks. We can always check out more information at buildmyonlinestore.com slash now. And before we get into this week's episode, we do have some new iTunes reviews. Chad from San Diego says, Terry, your podcast rocks, inspiring, helpful, great content, and great guests. You are the real deal. Keep them coming. There's got another one from Matt B. Exactly what I was looking for, real businesses online talking about the growth and ideas for what worked and what has not. I've had a small e-commerce business for about two years and find many of the same challenges and successes that you address. Well, thanks so much, guys, and let's get into this week's episode. Okay, today I have Rob Martinez from Shipper. We're going to talk about how to reduce your shipping costs and what's going on in the carrier industry. So what's going on, Rob? Uh, nice to talk to you, Terry. Yeah, thanks. So can you just give us a brief intro on Shipware and uh, how everything works there? Sure. Shipware offers two main services uh, for any customer, not just e-commerce companies, but any volume shipper uh, that spends a lot of money with FedEx and UPS in particular. What we do is uh, the first service is an audit service where we've designed software to go on to FedEx and UPS and automatically pull invoices down for our clients and run them through proprietary software to identify overcharges, missing discounts, shipments that were late and entitled to the money back guarantee, and other errors that are common to parcel invoices. And then automatically make requests to the carriers for refunds that get applied directly to their invoices. The second main service we offer is uh, on the contract piece. Shippers have done the best job they can negotiating their FedEx and UPS agreements. So what we do is we come in and and based on uh, my background and my company's expertise, we review the agreement and then identify gaps between the programs they currently have in place and what we think they should be getting uh, if they were to renegotiate their contract. And we help them do that. We help them uh, work directly with their carrier to identify additional discounts, change terms and conditions, identify other areas of opportunity with surcharges to drive their costs down somewhere between 10 and 30%. And so are most store owners, do they realize that, wow, I never knew you could negotiate further? Well, the, the larger uh, store owners certainly try. They probably have their FedEx and UPS rep in all the time saying, shipping's killing me. I'm working and competing against larger 
suppliers out or larger companies out there that are offering free shipping, and I can't do that. You know, I'm having a real hard time doing that. So it can be a real challenge to e-commerce companies. So what are some of the big inefficiencies that you find customers tend to miss? when they're negotiating the contracts? Well, the most important thing is that most shippers don't know what they could be getting. They have the inability to benchmark. Like I said earlier, they they call their FedEx rep and their EPS rep in, they do some sort of a bid, maybe even pit carrier against carrier, show the UPS guy the FedEx proposal and vice versa. But doing that is not enough. All that does is give you market rates and FedEx and UPS typically know where the other one is gonna come in. So what we recommend is is having a, a much greater degree of sophistication in benchmarking, and that is knowing in advance what the maximum discounts are that a shipper is entitled to, uh, what accessorial, and those are those surcharges now. There's over 80 surcharges for FedEx and UPS that account for as much as 30% of the overall revenue to those companies. And a lot of those are negotiable. So these guys already mark up the initial bid they give you, and then when you actually negotiate down, that's what the normal rate is? Well, there's a set of published rates. There's list rates you can find on their websites. And then most shippers have a contract where they get a discount off of those list rates. And what I'm suggesting is that those discounts that most shippers negotiate are not as good as they should be. So how'd you find this out that it wasn't as low as it should be? Well, I've I've spent 24 years in the parcel space. For the decade of the 90s, I was on the carrier side where I ran a very big division of one of the big three parcel companies at the time, a company called Airborne Express, which later got acquired by DHL and DHL uh, later exited North American operations. Uh, But uh, at the time, Airborne had 16% of the market share and specialized in national account volume type of enterprises. And so in my role, I ran a very large division and, and uh, uh, you know, my client facing responsibilities were negotiating the heavy spend contracts. It, it occurred to me, shippers just really, they don't really know what they should be getting uh, and how much they leave on the table during these negotiations. My job and, and the marching orders I gave my sales folks were to go out there and sell those accounts at the highest margins possible. And that remains true to this day with FedEx and UPS. Those reps are evaluated and ranked and promoted and compensated based upon their ability to sell a, 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 their customer's business at the highest margins possible. So it occurred to me that, you know, what if I represented shippers in their negotiation uh, and sat on the other side of the negotiating table and I gave them all of the secrets to negotiating the most optimized parcel agreement? You know, would they be willing to hire me? And that was 14 years ago, and I'm, you know, we've been very, very successful. We've negotiated, you know, tens of thousands of uh, contracts on behalf of shippers across the country. Nice. And I get the feeling that, you know, if I was just starting a store and I didn't really know the whole carrier market, I would just say, hey, I'll get a lower rate. You know, I only have three choices, UPS and FedEx and U.S. Postal. I guess I'll kind of take the rate. Yeah. Um, most most smaller, uh, you know, companies, e-commerce companies and smaller shippers, they just take whatever rate they're able to get from their carrier reps. And sometimes they're completely undiscounted. They're on list rates. Or worse yet, they have a whole set of published rates called retail rates, which are even worse than the published daily rates. Um, so, you know, the most important thing is for shippers to really understand what their cost component is, do a, a dive into the data to identify where their spend is and then negotiate those points of spend. Uh-huh. All right. So if we just go deeper into that, you know, say you bring on a new client, what's kind of like the onboarding process in terms of fight, figuring out where you guys can negotiate more uh, cost savings? Well, before we even bring on a client, we do a complimentary assessment. 
we invite them after we've signed a non-disclosure agreement and they feel comfortable to share data with us, we ask them to send us a copy of their carrier agreement if they have it on file and uh, several weeks of electronic invoice data. And then our team analyzes that to uh, better understand their package characteristics and spend and service levels and those kinds of things and then uh, identify those gaps that exist between the current program and what we think they should be or what we think we could help them get into. And if it looks significant, then we'll, uh, in our follow-up with them, when we reveal the results of our analysis, uh, we'll encourage them to hire us at that point because we've already done the work. We know what kind of savings are at hand. We typically get compensated as a percentage of the actual savings we implement. So it's a no-brainer for companies to bring us on board because, they, again, they've done the best job they can. Uh, anything, any improvements we make are pure incremental improvements, and that's found money uh, to most companies. Interesting, interesting. All right. And so how kind of has the industry changed since, I guess, like the early 2000s in terms of like the carrier market? Well, um, you know, it's winnowed. In, in, in the early 2000s, we had... Um, Airborne Express was still around, and DHL was its own, it was before the merger, uh, it was its own business. So we had those four main private carriers, then we had the United States Postal Service. So five main national providers in, in the year 2000. And now we're down to three, as you noted, uh, with DHL having acquired Airborne and then folding North American operations. We're down to three. And a lot of folks wouldn't even consider the United States Postal Service to be a viable alternative to some of the services that FedEx and UPS offer. They certainly are a viable alternative for the priority mail product, but they don't have a traditional ground product uh, in this country. And over a certain weight threshold, their priority mail and express mail products that the Postal Service offers are not price competitive to discounted rates with FedEx and UPS. So we really have two carriers in this country, uh, and, and UPS and FedEx. And the other thing that occurred, you know, back in 2000, we had, with more competition in the marketplace, we saw deeper pricing concessions than FedEx and UPS typically grant today. They were more willing to, to um, uh, provide deeper incentives off their public discounts off their publisher rates uh, and they had to because they were forced because the market uh, uh, you know consumers and businesses had um, greater uh, opportunities to use different carriers you really don't have that today the other thing that we saw happening right around 2005 uh, was FedEx and UPS publicly announced that they were more focused on margin improvement than market growth. So we went from pricing wars, when, when you want to grow your network, when you want more packages in your network, you discount your pricing. When you want to focus on pricing improvements, you raise your rates. <laughs> You're less focused on growth as you are on uh, improving the, the co your, your cost picture uh, within your network. And so around 2005, both FedEx and UPS uh, became much more interested in their margins than we had ever seen them. And if you look at a history of, say, the general rate increase, every January, uh, both carriers announce a rate increase on their list rates. For the, you know, the, the last seven or eight years, that uh, rate increase has averaged somewhere between 3.9% and 6.9% on their products. Wow, and it's still ongoing, this rate? Every single year, they raise their rates between 39 and 
uh, 6.9% every year. And in prior to 2005, the average rate increase was somewhere between 1% and 3%. So they've become much more cavalier in their uh, pricing uh, as the marketplace is winnowed. There, there are fewer players to compete against, and uh, FedEx and UPS are not engaging in price wars. So it's a lot more challenging for shippers to get the discounts today. Yeah, because it's just those two. So they can basically say, hey, we'll just be friendly and raise our rates together and we'll both win since it's just the two of us in the market. Well, that would be collusion. And, you know, certainly that's not legal. It's funny you should say that because the DOJ in the U.S. is investigating FedEx and EPS for price fixing, collusion, and other antitrust uh, allegations. Uh, The DOJ is very private about those uh, investigations and it, all, all, it, all it did was confirm that they are investigating. They haven't updated the street on any progress in those investigations. So we don't know where that's going. Um, and then there are other antitrust lawsuits against FedEx and UPS uh, that exist today as well. And so when you say the price is increasing by 39 to 6.9% every year, how much discount can you actually still squeeze out with the rates still going up so much? Every year? Well, typically they don't change your discount. So let's say you have a 50% ground discount. Uh, well, you're going to, in, in 2012, uh, you've got the 50% ground discount. You're going to get in 2013 as well. The difference is that their list rates went up, uh, you know, 4.9% or 5.9%. Oh, so your contract rate is fixed. Based on the yes, con- okay. Based on the prevailing published rates. So, so would that make sense for any e-commerce business owner to lock in a contract whenever you can? Yeah, but very few companies are able to negotiate the general rate increase. Um, there are strategies around the GRI, including rate caps or getting some sort of percentage off what the general public takes. But those are, you know, some of our larger clients get those. Uh, most. Small, certainly smaller e-commerce companies would not be able to negotiate anything around the general rate increase. So for a small e-commerce company that's looking to negotiate the contract, what's probably the biggest tip that you would give them? Well, to try to get a better sense of what's available, number one. Uh, so I call that benchmarking. And it can be as simple as going online uh, and looking at research on what kind of pricing others have negotiated. We and others have provided some public information about benchmarking. I've done uh, benchmarking surveys and studies across the country, and that's all published and available on the web for shippers to take advantage of. Uh, Two would be to better educate themselves about their own internal shipping needs so that they have a good understanding of what services they use, what zones they go to, weights, what percentage of residential versus commercial, and other you know, common metrics that we look at in, in the shipping world. Three would be to do some sort of procurement effort, you know, a bid where they targeted the rate response by issuing a bid to both FedEx and UPS saying, you know, look, we're currently getting X discount, we're looking to achieve Y discount. And that Y discount comes from the benchmarking. They learn these are some of the uh, discounts that other other shippers of their similar size uh, are enjoying. I see. So the benchmarking is to give you an idea of how, I guess, how low you can go or where you should be, and then using that as a base to negotiate from there. Yeah, it, it is certainly challenging because, you know, the carriers don't just base the pricing they give you on volume. Years ago, they did. Years ago, like 20 years ago, they did. If you were a million-dollar shipper, you got this discount. If you were a $10 million shipper, you got a bigger discount. It's not done that way anymore. In fact, it's very common for us to see a $10 million shipper with worse 
incentives than a million-dollar shipper. So it's, it, now they, they base it on package characteristics. Both FedEx and UPS have gotten very good at understanding what it costs them to move your package through their system. Uh, they have multiple checkpoints to better understand what a package looks like, its dimensions, its weights, where it's going, what the pickup density was, what the delivery density is. In other words, how many packages are being delivered alongside your package. If they're already going to that doorstop anyway, it doesn't really provide a lot of incremental cost to them to handle your package. If it's a whole new stop they have to make on account of your, uh, your package characteristics, or it occupies a lot of space in their trucks and planes, or it's difficult to handle at their sorts and their miles and miles of conveyor belts, or any other such considerations, it's going to raise your cost profile, and therefore the discounts they propose to you are going to be worse than, uh, you know, for some shippers than others. Interesting. And I guess it's because 20 years ago, they didn't have the technology to actually sort through all the sizes and different packages, right? Yeah, it, 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 exactly. I mean, as information um, technology has grown, uh, they have been able to, to better understand their own cost parameters and price accordingly. I see. Interesting. So it's also based off your own products that you should... Yeah, in fact, package characteristics is the most important component to pricing. It's more important than your volume or overall spend. And so when you talk about uh, package uh, dimension, would it be like size or weight that's a bigger factor or, or both? Well, they're, bo they're both important factors. You know, they, they account for uh, discrepancies in dimensions uh, based on using what they call a, a dim weight, a dimensional weight. The way they do it in both air and ground for both FedEx and UPS is to take the length times the width times the height of a box and divide that by a standard dim factor of 166. Whatever that number is, regardless of weight, it's going to either be the actual weight or the dim weight, whichever is greater. Oh, interesting. So that's why every time you fill out one of these package forms, they want you to get the whole length, width, and height, right? And that's right. Now, even if you don't, they're going to capture it somewhere in their system. They have, you know, high-speed scanners, overhead scanners as these packages pass on their belts and sortation systems that will scan a, pack, a box and, and publish its dimensional uh, characteristics. Um, but, you know, and the reason they do that is they don't want you shipping a lightweight product like, say, a pillow in a big box. So the, the pillow doesn't weigh anything, not weigh a pound, but you're taking up a lot of space on that plane and truck that could accommodate multiple dozens of uh, smaller envelopes. But on the other side, you could ship something super heavy, like a kettlebell in like a little tiny box that's like 30 kilos too, right? It goes that way too. And then, you know, the, and if that's the case, then actual weight will be your charge, not a dimensional weight. And so I know online, there's also some places like stamps.com, kind of these online solutions. What are your thoughts on those guys versus UPS and FedEx? Yeah, certainly stamps.com plays a role in the marketplace. Uh, you know, what they do is they allow you to purchase postage over the internet and in print, you know, that postage right onto a package. If you have a certain type of account, you can get uh, some discounts on products like Priority Mail. But what Stamps.com doesn't allow you to do is ship a package, one package with Priority Mail with the United States Postal Service and then another package with FedEx or UPS. And though there are multiple uh, third-party manifesting systems that do let you do that where you can rate shop between carriers and, and that is another effective way to drive down your okay, cost. Interesting. Right? And I understand there's some of these third-party logistic fulfillment centers popping up the past few years. Uh, how have those guys uh, come to the market and, and impacted everything? Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the 3PL industry is 
uh, enormous and, and growing and continues to grow every year. Uh, but these large providers have expertise not just in shipping, but also in warehousing, pick pack, inventory management, and, and the like. So if you're an e-commerce company that doesn't want to operate its own um, you know, distribution facility, warehousing facilities, you have to inventory everything, you've got to uh, insure all of that. If you'd rather outsource that to an expert, there are multiple third-party fulfillment operations that can handle that. Um, and work and integrate their systems with your order entry and inventory management system so you know how much stock's on hand. But the orders come in through them and they, they become an, extend, an outsourced extension of your business where they fulfill the product um, um, shipping and um, you know, pick pack operation and, and shipping operation so you don't have to do that. I understand the margins are quite bad if you have low volume with those guys. The margins, whose margins? In terms of the, the pricing they charge you, if you don't have a lot of volume, it could be quite high. Well, certainly, yeah. Uh, they, you know, it's a competitive market though, so you'd have to negotiate that like you negotiate anything. Uh, but for some providers, that, especially smaller folks that are working out of their garage, that's just not your expertise. Your expertise is the procurement or the manufacturing of these goods and bringing them to market. Uh, not necessarily the uh, you know the, the the whole distribution and transportation piece. Yeah, exactly. All right. So since we're talking about distribution and kind of selling online, uh, there was an article you were mentioned in on Forbes where uh, I think I think eBay and Amazon are looking to offer same day shipping. And kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Well, lots of companies are driving same day shipping. It's it's uh, you mentioned a couple of Walmart, Amazon, and eBay. Um, Best Buy is in that business. Target is in that business. Gap is researching it. Nordstrom's in it. Barnes and Noble is in it. You know what's driving that whole process is a number of factors. One is that consumers have become much more sophisticated. In almost every study I've I've looked at for e-commerce shippers. Shipping absolutely plays a component and an important role in the mind of the buyer. When they're offered carrier choice and transit time choice uh, and pricing choices, they are more likely to buy. It's very common for a, a consumer to go online and want something and go all the way through the shopping cart process to find the shipping fee and then abandon the shopping cart in the last minute. I do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, we all do. We all do. And so, you know, merchants are much wiser to understand these trends and to state very early in the process what the shipping fee is likely to be. Uh, and you'll see banner ads on most home pages with, you know, free shipping or $5 flat shipping over a certain merchandise cost or whatever uh, that, you know, that decreases and mitigates that, uh, you know, the opportunity for shopping cart abandonment. And so since we're talking about uh, shipping, uh, you know, I know there's two ways where you can either do free shipping over $100 or just free shipping for every product. Have you known which one kind of works better in terms of the stores that you worked with? Well, there's a lot more than just those two. What we recommend is that merchants take a study with their with their client base and offer different promotions to see what works best. If you offer, we found with our clients that if you offer free shipping through some of these deferred methods like FedEx Smart Post or UPS SurePost or Nugistics uh, or other parcel aggregators that typically handle the pickup and the transportation piece, but then they induct that package somewhere within the United States Postal Service delivery stream. Are you familiar with those services? No, not really. <laughs> well, so FedEx and UPS uh, and their traditional air and ground services 
pick up a package, move it through their infrastructure, and then FedEx and UPS delivered on the other end. In the 2000s, the Postal Service was offering work share discounts for companies um, and parcel aggregators who did some of the work for them in handling, uh, you know, uh, the, the transportation piece, the sortation piece, and the induction piece. So these are hybrid programs called parcel. The product's called Parcel Select, and it's been very successful for many years now. Uh, but FedEx Smart Post would be a perfect example of that, where FedEx still handles the pickup, the the, the sortation, the transportation piece but they move that package upstream in the USPS delivery. So rather than uh, the USPS making the pickup uh, to, to me to deliver it to you in Asia, uh, you, you know, we make that pickup and then we induct it uh, within the Asian postal delivery stream and they make the final mile deliver to, delivery to your uh, home or office. No, so they just get the money from you from picking up the package and then they kind of outsource this into another stream. That does the hard, hard lifting. Just to the United States Postal uh, Service, who go to every door anyway, and they really are the residential experts. So for FedEx, it's a great benefit because it keeps their drivers away from having to go all the way to the residence to make a delivery attempt, or a lot of times folks aren't even home. So by inducting the Postal Service, it's going to wind up in someone's mailbox. And, uh, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. The Postal Service loves it because they're still getting packages and uh, they're passing along significant uh, postage cost reductions to FedEx. And, uh, you know, they're passing discounts along to the shipper. And so everybody's happy. So getting back to the original question, though, if when, you, when merchants offer parcel select and they say, listen, this is a three to 10 day delivery service, but we're going to give it to you for free or... You can pay, you know, five dollars for a ground shipment, seven dollars for a three-day shipment, you know, nine dollars for a two-day shipment, or twelve dollars for a next-day shipment. It's your choice. We find that the most consumers a appreciate that choice, b won't abandon the shopping cart, and c unless they need that product desperately very quickly, will opt for the most deferred route at the most economical shipping or free shipping possible. Nice. So you're giving them the different options to choose from instead of just saying this is your only option and then they abandon it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, because I've seen the select thing pop up like probably since 2005, I guess. And I was like, I can never wrap my head around why, how this was free. But now, now, that, now it makes sense. Then. Well, so that's, you know, we, we, you asked why our same day service is popping up and we kind of went off on a tangent there. But so convenience and, and, and consumer expectations are certainly rising. The other part of it, though, it's, it's not all philanthropic. Uh, there are significant operating cost savings that can potentially be had by uh, shippers, larger shippers, where they bypass brick and mortar. Uh, and essentially, these transportation providers that offer same-day service act as a virtual cross-dock. So it doesn't, you know, these products don't necessarily need to be warehoused. And then they sa- they can save like the retail operations too from having same-day shipping too. I guess. A- absolutely, absolutely. And the quicker you get a product to somebody. Uh, you know, it, it also minimizes buyer's remorse where you get cancellations before the thing's even shipped. If you are going to a party uh, that evening and you're on a website and it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you see a pair of shoes you want to wear to the party that evening and you can get it by three o'clock or four o'clock or five o'clock prior to the party, that's great. Uh, so you're going to get that product quicker and you have less chance to change your mind and cancel the order. Versus if you have a 10-day delivery, <laughs> You know, you might say, geez, I really don't need that. I, I wanted it. I had an emotional response to the ad. I bought it, and I don't really want it. 
the quicker you can get a, a package uh, delivered, it mitigates that chance of a return in buyer's remorse. I see. And do you find that the infrastructure for same-day shipping is already ready to go, or is there still like a year or two to develop to actually make this reasonable? It's being developed. Uh, you know, there's, there certainly are a number of, of companies that specialize in same-day service. Um, uh, you know, companies like 1-800-Courier, uh, Incenda, based in uh, San Francisco. Shuttle is a London-based company that's getting help from UPS to launch domestic operations here in the U.S. Dynamex is another company. It's based in, uh, in, in Dallas. The United States Postal Service has a, a same-day pilot program uh, going on called MetroPost. Uh, based in, uh, they're, they're piloting uh, uh, 1-800-Flowers right now in, in the San Francisco market. FedEx has a same-day program uh, called uh, Same Day City Service, uh, which they offer to 20 cities, including uh, well, LA and New York. And that's, that's, that's offered through their FedEx office division. So it's, there's a lot of companies that, that are doing some of these things already. A lot of the regional carriers too, the parcel and regional carriers are getting into same day delivery. So there's plenty of providers. You know, nobody's really offering a national uh, service that uh, uh, you know, allows an, an e-tailer to take advantage of same day delivery in all markets. But certainly it's available in some of the larger markets and more sophisticated in urban markets like San Francisco, New York, LA, Phoenix, and others. Yeah, there's interesting something my friend wrote. They were saying maybe, you know, if Google gets their unmanned cars, you know, big enough or scaled enough, they could just use these guys as delivery. Well, yeah, and there's, there was, uh, in that Forbes article you mentioned, the, the author goes into, um, you know, the consideration of what if Google were to acquire a company like FedEx or UPS and, um, you know, and that, and, and I categorically told them that's not going to happen. Uh, FedEx and EPS are content being on the on the delivery side of that equation. The same day shipping. Do you see this as something that will be like parcel shipping that everyone should be offering in like the next five to ten years, or is it just something like nice to have as an extra option? Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but I do think that same day shipping is certainly going to grow. You know, in in my back of the napkin calculations. I think its potential is is to be about a $12 billion um, business within the next five years. So I'm defining that as the you know intra-city delivery of small packages just in the U.S. Uh, that that it's got about a $12 billion potential in the next five years in my mind based on my uh, growth estimates. Mm-hmm. And just to put $12 billion in perspective, how big is this relative to like the shipping market right now? Well, FedEx and UPS, uh, uh, you know, FedEx is about a $52 billion company. FedEx is about a, uh, a $40 billion company. Those revenues do include uh, non-parcel components like FedEx Freight, UPS Freight, um, and their office divisions. Uh, so, yeah, and, and they're also their, uh, you know, their professional services and supply chain divisions. But, you know, they're significant uh, volumes for just two companies. Yeah, so 12 billion is not, not small, but it's not too big either. So it's a pretty big chunk out of these, both of these. I'm not sure that it, the 12 billion is going to replace their current revenues. I'm not sure that the, the you know, package will just defer from I was going to ship that next day and now I'm going to ship it same day. I think it's a whole new line of potential, you know, new revenue. Uh, that's going to happen, and, and new markets that are going to be created because of the ability to get something delivered in the same day. Yeah, yeah, and I think it makes sense that when you look at just the how retail is shifting and how it would actually be worth it to pay more for same day shipping than to have retail operations across the whole nation. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, it, you know, if you're going to have same-day shipping, though, you're going to have to have some sort of operation across the whole nation to, to, to inventory those products. So this is where those the 3PLs, if a company doesn't have the infrastructure and warehousing and strategic markets across the country, they could outsource uh, those to 3PLs to warehouse and manage that inventory and then work with some of these transportation providers for next day or same day or, or you know, uh, regionalized deliveries. Interesting. All right. And so just to wrap things up, uh, you know, for anyone that's looking to negotiate their contract rates, is there a certain revenue size of clients that's ideal to work with Shipware and yourself? Well, our clients range from, uh, on the small end, from about half a million in spend on the parcel side to as much as 100 million in annual spend on the parcel side. So these are not company revenues, these are how much you spend with FedEx and UPS. So if you're at least a half a million dollar shipper or larger, then it would make sense uh, to chat with us about what we do. Uh, We offer a complimentary assessment to identify whether you you optimize your contract or whether you're leaving discounts on the table and then we help you get them if you hire us to do that. Awesome. And so where can we find you online? Uh, We're at shipware.com. That's S-H-I-P-W-A-R-E.com. And my contact information, I'm the president and CEO of the company, but uh, I'm I'm on there and feel free to give me an email or uh, give us a call and and, uh, we can do a complimentary assessment of of your program. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. I think that's it. And I'll let you go on a Friday afternoon now. All right. Thanks, Terry. Nice chatting with you. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.